Hello, and welcome to the Youngin Kotisal podcast, where we are teachers helping teachers. My guest today is James G. Rush II, an educator in the General Education Department at Luther University in Youngin, just outside of Seoul. Since 2005, he has mainly been in Asia with a brief stay in South Africa, all in Christian-sponsored settings. He is currently serving as president of the Yongin Gyeonggi chapter of Kotisal. James started this Yongin chapter podcast back in the spring of 2017. So when I agreed to take over the reins, I knew who my first guest should be. Thank you, James, for joining us today on our first podcast of 2021. Thank you. Well, I'd like to start by getting to know you a little bit and unboxing what it means to become a member of Cotisol from your perspective and the role of this podcast in the Youngin Gyeonggi chapter of Cotisol. Actually, you know, the international conference is looming large and, uh, and it's had to change a lot since COVID-19 hit Korea, uh, hit the world. Uh, so this year's conference is online and February 19th. Yes, 19th through the 28th, uh, February, end of February. And so I think it's an example of looking at the success that happened with our uh, national conference last year. Uh, that had to be a quick change uh, up and moved from being a in-person conference to being fully online. And we offered it uh, basically free of charge to anybody, the people that signed up. And so we got, I think, all of the different presenters uh, back that were planning on doing the face-to-face. Uh, we were able to get them uh, into the online format and just a, a yeoman's job of the from the Busan uh, chapter in particular, and the number of other people that helped, so that kind of laid the the f- stage, the, f- or the starting stages of what we were going to try to do. Uh, and so the question came through the fall, through the fall, about what was going to happen with the international conference because that's that's the crown jewel of uh, Cotisol in, in in many ways. Uh, I would argue now that I've been here. Korea Tiesel offers a lot of other things that are equally um, beneficial, but for the most part, your average person that's a teacher in Korea and their their engagement with Korea Tiesel has been their uh, attendance with the uh, international conference. Okay. Well, we will get back to the conference in a minute. Right now, I think we better give our listeners a little background on who you are. You're an American and from Minnesota. Is that right? I am from Michigan and I did work in Minnesota. Yeah, my first teaching position was in Minnesota. And so uh, Midwest, uh, Flint, Michigan is my is my hometown. Uh, fairly uh, known recently because of the water crisis that happened there uh, in 2014-15. Um, and I like to say... Uh, f- that uh, Detroit is a suburb of Flint, and so people might be f- familiar with the Detroit city area. And uh, so we're kind of nestled in between Detroit and Chicago, a little bit further north. Uh, actually, as a 
uh, parallel, we're almost like straight across here from South Korea. And so uh, climate wise and everything is fairly similar. But yeah, I was a city kid. Um, and then my university background, I moved a little bit further west to my uh, University Concordia, University of Wisconsin. Uh, shout out to the Falcons. Um, that uh, was the where I went for becoming a teacher. I went through the teacher training program, uh, business education, high school education, and then went progressively west one more state uh, over to Minnesota and was in uh, my first teaching position for a couple years uh, before. Heading back home, uh, I thought maybe ministry was going to be specific to my calling. And so I was a director of family and youth ministry for a couple years and then filled out some applications for becoming an international educator. And that took me to Taiwan. So in 2005, my international education uh, adventure into uh, Christian education in particular, there was a middle school, high school, sixth grade through 12th grade that also had a campus that included a kindergarten, uh, Concordia Middle School. A lot of Concordias here uh, in this. So uh, And so um, that started my Asian uh, adventure of my professional career. So much like your education, you were sort of stepping across states. You also stepped into the Asian uh, education market. Yeah, I just, that was a, uh, I was, you know, 25, 26 at, at the time, just wondering, no family, adventure, but also an opportunity to serve. And it really turned out to be uh, an unexpected blessing because I'd always been interested and curious in um, multicultural kind of uh, activities, events. I never saw myself as a, as a linguist or in regards to um, English language teaching, like I didn't, I, I still wonder why I'm in English teaching because I'm always more interested in the content. And I was curious about business marketing that also brought me into computer and education uh, as a, as technology. Um, my, in the undergraduate work, I was really focused on vocational education, which there in the U.S. was focused on the, the blue collar jobs and trying to and, and as the computer industry increased, then it started to include some of the uh, coding and, and manufacturing of, of hardware. But so I, I, I never fully dove into any one of those areas in particular, but was I knew that those skills were needed for labor force and that people had different interests or kids that wanted to be construction workers or work on uh, cars and they didn't need all of the, the, the offerings of a four year liberal arts education. They could go straight in to get the training and then just start working on their career and becoming better at that. So um, my, educational philosophy my educational desire was to really equip kids or even young adults uh maybe adults going through a second career <laughs> to go after the things that really drove them that were they were they, they were passionate about and sometimes just that they had skills and they didn't realize it i think that's one area that a lot of our students even my students here and Korea miss out on. They have skills and talents and abilities that maybe they don't like doing, but 
they actually could really benefit by employing those skills for uh, for the things that they are interested in. So, what makes you say that you think they don't like those skills? Uh, specifically here in Korea, with I have a handful of students, a couple students in each class every year so far that they have really good English ability. And I don't know if that's because they went through excellent hagwans, their parents were workers in international companies or whatever is the reason, but they have an English skill set that they're not really desiring to go after and learn more and go deeper with. It's just either they, they kind of know it and figure, eh, whatever, or uh, they just haven't considered it because they are so focused in whatever um, their career career path seems to be. And I'm like, yeah, you have a you have a skill. You can you listen and you understand and you know people. Um, you should really use that skill. Uh, but some are like, yeah, thanks, no. <laughs> so is is English a little bit? I say unacceptable or, or less accepted uh, or mm. valued as a skill in in uh, you know in this day and age in Korea. I the one uh, I would say easy answer is no. It is accepted as a skill and ability. The one thing I am learning about in in cultural dynamics is how people don't want to. Some people don't want to come across as being overly uh, skilled or, or, or and, and if they end up being the person that does have that talent or ability, uh, an extreme case is that they become the interpreter for the teacher. And so they don't want to they don't want to be that. Uh, but the other side of it is that they don't kind of want they, they don't want to make their classmates lose face or be, be seen as being so much better than others. Uh, because it, sometimes it's been because they lived overseas for a few years. They, their parents were working in a place where they went to an international school or they went to something along those lines. So uh, a variety of reasons. But I think that that the 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 tie that binds all that is um, they just don't want to seem better than their classmates. Right. I understand that. Coming back to you. Uh this is okay. this is great. This is really good. Um, but uh, I'm still thinking that uh, this is actually telling our listeners a lot about you. In fact, probably more than I could even get from asking you some questions. But uh, there's one yeah. thing I notice, and maybe people notice your name uh, if they happen to go to the Cotisal website. They'll see that your name is uh, po- posted as James Rush the second. And uh, I'm just wondering. Yes. I'm, I'm assuming your father is James Rush the first. Yes. Yeah. Actually, it's James Grant Rush. Um, I, I'm actually James Rush the third. The Grant it becomes a not pretentious, but it's a little. It's long, and so then I got a couple different. Like I don't know if it's identity crisis or whatever, but I guess it depends on where I'm at. Like I'm holding up this certificate that you know just says James Rush, and so I, I got that from my first Cotisol uh, local national conference, and. And then I, I recognize, well, I still do want to stick out and I do want to give honor to, to my father and my grandfather for how that came about. Um, so yeah, I've actually gone through a few growth spe- uh, spurts in terms of 
when to use it, where to use it. Uh, my the the story is also uh, inclusive of um, me understanding the where I'm at and how much I want to and, and know I need to share my story and that background. So uh, it's it's very interesting that you bring that up. Well, that actually is where I'm, I'm kind of wondering where you know James Rush the first. James Grant Rush the first and your grandfather. Uh, what kind of an influence yeah. were they on you in getting to where you are now here in Korea? So interesting, yeah. So my uh, my grandfather uh, Jim Rush. So both of them go by Jim, and my grandfather has passed away. Uh, but I think he would have loved to hear uh, this because he was a radio guy in the army for a few years, and then when he got out, he went into uh, media. He went into becoming a radio ho show host and then television was starting up at that time and news broadcasts were happening. And so then he was uh, a news broadcaster. A new what year would this be? Uh, that's a great question. I'm guessing 50s. Uh, yeah. So because my father was born in 55. And so I think at about that time was taking up. I need to do my homework. Thank you. Uh, so, um, but yeah, the late 40s, 50s. So he was in TV news and had that kind of portion of it. Uh, my father is, he, he'll probably be a little bit embarrassed by the fact that he's being mentioned and talked about because he's a really a humble guy. And he just, he does his thing. He goes to work, takes care of his family. Uh, he, he wants things done, you know, right and well. Um, he you know, loves sports and his family, not in that order. He loves family and then sports. And so just the different, um, lessons that I've learned about from him have been take advantage of the moment, explore. Uh, he's definitely, he's a photographer. He has a background and a photographer, love of photography. And so, um, exploring areas and capturing that, especially uh, natural landscapes. Uh, but he also did quite a bit of a stint with uh, uh, weddings and senior pictures. And so I think he's a, a pretty perfect balance of saying there are moments in life that are worth capturing and to do that well uh, is, is worthwhile. And uh, to that point, he also... He, very, he approached it very much as a servant. Um, his approach that he took towards that, being a servant, he also moved that over into weddings and photography. And so I would say he was more of a wedding manager as a photographer than he was just a photographer because he was very aware of the dynamics, the movement of the day, uh, what some of the needs that were happening between the brides in particular, but also with the groomsmen. Um, and then also with the seniors, uh, he got into that, especially because of uh, myself uh, and a couple few years before I was a senior, he started taking some of those pictures and he just recognized how with families, they're they're taking on a lot of different stress during the, those last high school years and how to capture the the lifestyle and capture the moments that are really important for families to remember. So I think uh, all of that, um, I, I watched and I witnessed him uh, help people really make the most of their moments and how that applies to me where I'm at now. And with, with this position within Cotisol in particular, I really hope that I am able to 
be alongside or encourage or be a support of whatever way possible to help the, the teachers be recognized and be the professionals that they are. Uh, it's not always the most uh, supported situation. I, I personally feel very supported, but I recognize that there are a lot of uh, lone figures that are out there in a, in a position where they are the only expat, they are the only uh, person that maybe has a certain skill set, um, and, and maybe they just fell into the position and are looking for help and assistance, but they have, uh, they've done it, they've made the commitment, and I hope our organization is seen as uh, a place that where they can be edified, supported, and where we can truly be teachers helping teachers, uh, not just be like teachers saying, hey, I hope you're doing all right, see you later. <laughs> so... <laughs> So you're saying that, uh, well, would, would you say that becoming the president of the Youngin chapter of Cotisol, it's a means to an end? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the way that the our chapter in particular has grown, um, you know, the number of years before me, uh, shout out to David Kim, uh, Robert Kim, uh, that uh, Martin uh, Todd, uh, they, they were already kind of growing in their, in their identity and defining their ways. And it, it's always been a, uh, local chapter wise, but then across the organization, we're, we're going to help you. Nobody wants to see you fail. And so as you come in and take on whatever role and responsibility that you want to be a part of, then you're still going to, you're going to have a team around you and the, help that has been received in that way, I've definitely been encouraged by. And so the being this being in this position, I feel like it is a means to an end to be able to um, reach a, a maybe broader number of people and be able to say, hey, there's some talents and skills and some experiences that you all have that could also be a benefit to others. And What's interesting about it is that you you gain more experience and more skill sets that you didn't really realize. You become a better communicator. You become um, more organized, which I definitely need some help with. Uh, so you you'd go through this personal growth as the end for my you know my personal gain, but I also very much view it as uh, a growth for the local chapter and the organization as a whole. Okay, it, let's uh, imagine that I'm I'm just I'm just come to Korea. I you know I've got a uh, I'm working I'm busy at a at a new language academy at a Hagwon, and I really have no plans to to stay in Korea past the, you know, my one year contract. And I'm just trying to kind of get <laughs> along and figure out how can I order something to eat. How do I order a beer in Korean? just trying to survive why would i want to go to a cotisal conference or get involved in a local chapter so that's not unlike my initial adventure into here into korea um which i'll explain the my invitation to korea is very unique my the university had a position and there were a few contacts that let me know that this was available uh, that is definitely not the case in most places especially with Korea's um, current 
that was back in 2016 and it's, it had already been happening from that point and even and certainly now to get a university position is few and far between because many of the programs are just uh, shutting down or uh, letting people go or just not renewing contracts. When I was invited, I was very much aware of I'm I'm now kind of on my own. And but then my specific situation, I was supported. So I thought I was going to be kind of doing this. Uh, I thought I was going to be on my own. I should clarify that. I get here. I know I'm supported, but I attend some of the Korea TESOL events uh, later that fall around. I think my first event was the Korea, the Yongin chapter November conference. I attend that and I realize that there are a lot of people that are just trying to figure things out. They want a new skill for Monday uh, to be able to, they don't know what they're going to do for their next lesson. Um, or they just came off a bad weekend where they weren't able to order food and they were like, ah, I'm kind of grumpy. So, um, the space and place that I hope Yongin Kotiso can be is this offering of, uh, support, you know, uh, instead of feeling like you have to go it alone, you can give somebody a phone call or a text message, a cow, you know, uh, message and be able to really, um, find a relationship uh, based context that people can will be available to help you. And so the the person that's looking at this and considering or listening to this and considering whether or not they have a support network, uh, I hope you do. And if not, we're certainly the place where people that are going to uh, hear you out and offer our best uh, and be able to point you in a direction as far as ways that we've been able to uh, handle some of those concerns and, and move forward. And so uh, the other part about, you know, I'm not planning on being here for more than a year. Well, that's certainly the case for a, uh, a number of people. I'm, I'm curious to find out what those percentages might be if there was any way to, to look that up or whatever. But uh, the number of stories that I've heard People come with that mindset and then they're like, so here I am five years on, here I am seven, eight years on. And so that's an interesting uh, conversation to be had too. Uh, I'd say have your plan, but also be open to the ways that things could unfold. That's great. Uh, getting a yeah. little more specific then, uh, like where do you see specifically, where do you see the most need at the Young and Cotiso? Uh, the things that I'd see needing the most attention would be the voices of elementary school teachers, um, middle school teachers as well, and the Hagwon community, uh, the professionals that are in those spaces that are a huge part of the economy, a huge part of the cultural fabric of Korea Tiesel. And I think, I think Yongin and pockets of Seoul, but Yongin probably has a, a, a bigger divide than I'm aware of, of the haves and the have nots, the families that do have the means and the access to sending to the ki their kids to these additional hagwons. Um, and the so I, I'm curious about that. And I know that we have some members that work in those fields, uh, but they're so busy. And so they how to figure that out, how to be supportive to those 
populations, uh, the elementary school teachers, they desire to be a part of our community, but they there's no immediate uh, financial benefit. Um, and, and that's, I hate to put it crudely like that, but they're also being realistic that if they attend certain professional development, they can, it's great. But if they're not, if that's not approved or if that's not seen as the kind of professional development that they need, well, they're going to go to another organization or another uh, place. And I don't have a, a, a good grasp of that. So Yongi Kotiso needs to have the people that are in those um, positions within the local public school education or within the department, the Ministry of Education, and are aware of um, what's going on. And for us to be able to figure a way to hear those people from those areas. Thank you, James. I get the feeling that addressing the needs of those who have the least opportunity or indeed motivation to connect with Young and Gyeonggi Kotisal is an ongoing concern for you as president and that you recognize it as a complete, not a complete, a complex issue that needs the support of not just individuals, but organizations working in concert uh, to, to better meet the needs of elementary teachers in public schools, as well as teachers in the private school system. And I hope that listeners are able to appreciate in listening to your words that you and the Cotisol organization altogether really are all about teachers helping teachers. And uh, we will continue this conversation with James Rush in our next episode as we discuss the value of Cotisol and the relationships that support members in their life and work, and so much more. I'll see you next time. This podcast presentation has been brought to you by the Youngin Gyeonggi chapter of Cotisol, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting scholarship, dissemination of information, and facilitating cross-cultural understanding of teaching and learning English in Korea. Thank you for listening.